0: Here's Spencer Linton and Jerem
1: Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Monday, June 14th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with the I Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who has an exclusive update on the next BYU starting quarterback, Jerem Jordan.
2: Now, we waited to release this. Mm-hmm. Actually, we didn't I put it out there <laughs> so we were shooting a commercial with Kalani Satake, and I just thought we could get an answer to the question, who's going to be the starting quarterback? like just tell us what do you need to wait for It's going to be Cyrano. Um Here's Kalani Satake on the starting quarterback Okay, uh, who, who's starting the starting quarterback, I think we mm. think you know
1: I think I might know a guy who uh, hasn't Let's, an opinion let's on
2: figure that. out at some point we've got to have someone who the starting quarterback is We'll find him. It's, it's
1: me. <laughs> it's me. Kalani's going to sling it for BYU football.
2: Was that Pennywise or was that, <laughs> it's me? I'm like, what?
1: I thought that was uh, both hilarious. I had no idea. It was right behind us. Well played by Coach Satake.
2: In the commercial. Now, can't exactly tell you what the commercial is about. You always say karma. But uh, pretty fun. I think this is the best commercial we've ever done. You I really like it. You think? I really like it. Yeah. I would say the That's other one
1: symptom. is also related to the BYU Sports Nation Karma, with Mark Pope inquiring as the new basketball coach about what the Karma was. Yes. That one's fun. This but one's I, better. But I'm with you. Yeah.
2: yeah. There's a lot more production value. Let's say we're like running around. <laughs> okay. It's. I legitimately it's yeah. was
1: tired and sore from running up and down stairs for like 45 minutes straight. Yeah. We
2: were here till eleven thirty one night. We were getting after it
1: last week. Yeah, we're getting it after on the show today with this lineup. In the wake of a college football playoff expansion recommendation to twelve teams, is now the time for BYU football to seek out and join a conference. Why many of you say yes? It's also a national championship Monday with BYU track and field star Anna Camp Bennett, who will join us to recap her record-setting race, plus another WCC crown for BYU Athletics, Zach Wilson minicamp stats, and baby news for two former BYU basketball grades. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines.
2: No one covers baby news like BYU. Has right? Anna camp Bennett wins the national championship in the 1500 outdoor track at nationals with a time of 408-53. The time is a new personal best and school record. We will talk with the champ later in the program.
1: Incredible. The college football playoff executive committee is pushing for expansion, as I just mentioned, yes, to a 12-team bracket up from four. It would feature the six highest-ranked conference champions, regardless of power five or group of five distinction, and six at-large teams. Of course, the current playoff format that's been in effect since 2014 features just the four The top four conference champions in this 12-team format would receive a first-round bye, while eight other teams would play in the first round at home stadiums of Seeds 5 through 8. It's getting complicated, but it seems very fun. The final three rounds would be bowl games at neutral sites. Those six New Year's Six bowl games would play host to those teams.
2: We'll talk about that with Stuart Mandel. We'll uh, postulate on BYU's place in that coming up. Zach Wilson completes Jets OTAs. Next up, mandatory minicamp this week, Tuesday through Thursday. NYJ Matt on Twitter compiled approximate stats through OTAs for Zach. <laughs> Ready for this? 70% completion Okay. Rate, 17 touchdowns, 3 mm. picks, 1444, uh, 14.45 yards for what it's worth. We'll I discuss didn't, didn't how much it's worth later. I didn't realize
1: that OTA approximate stats were a thing until I realized Jets Twitter was that into Zach Wilson. It's pretty crazy.
2: They're very into Zach Wilson.
1: Elijah Bryant and the Milwaukee Bucks tie up their Eastern Conference semifinal series with the Brooklyn Nets, two games apiece. Nets dealing with some injuries to their superstars. Bryant actually played six minutes, fired off two three-pointers, didn't make either one, but had a rebound.
2: That sounds like me in uh, City League.
1: I was watching the highlights (laughs) last night on SportsCenter, and I saw Eli out there. Yeah,
2: I was like, whoa, he got some run. Listen, he's getting a lot of run because they're either winning big or losing big. Okay, Brandon Davies in Barcelona beat Real Madrid 89-75. Davies had thirteen points. Barcelona has a chance to win La Liga tomorrow with a second win versus Real Madrid.
1: The West Coast Conference Commissioners Cup belongs to the BYU Athletics Department for an eighth yes! consecutive year we did it. championship. We we're, need to get a banner we're in Studio than Pacific. B. We need to get a banner in Studio B to show all of the West Coast Conference Commissioner Cup championships. How
2: about we just do a digital
1: one? <laughs> Cheaper. <laughs> BYU won an impressive fashion, like they have done so frequently, with 105 and a half points.
2: Yeah, no one knows what that means or cares about the means.
1: It's a 14 point lead combined over All Sports over runner up Gonzaga, who finished with ninety one and a half. Good
2: job, you have men's hoops and stuff.
1: BYU did capture <laughs> outright championships yep. in four sports yep. sanctioned by the West Coast Conference, men's and women's cross country, women's volleyball, and softball.
2: And Cougars in the minors. Michael Rucker had 5Ks in 3 and 2 thirds for the AAA Iowa Cubs versus the Columbus. Don't call us L.A. Clippers on Thursday. Brendan Lund went 1 for 2 for the Salt Lake Bees in AAA. And this just in, the USA men's volleyball roster for the Olympics is out. All right. Who made it? Taylor Sanders on the 12-man. Let's go, Taylor. And then Ben Patch and Brendan Sander are are alternates. Good for them. So should there be injuries, they potentially could step in. Ben Patch is the backup opposite. And then uh, Brendan Sander is basically the, uh, probably the, what, fourth outside.
1: How incredible is that? The Sanders have two of their family on Team USA.
2: It's pretty crazy. That's unbelievable. Now, now, I don't know if the alternates travel or not. I'm thinking it's just the 12th. But, uh, yeah, cool that... Two alternates, and Taylor, who has been hurt, makes the 12. Very that cool. was a question we had. Will he be healthy enough to make the Olympic roster? The answer is yes.
1: Congratulations to Ben Patch, Taylor, and Brendan Sanders. And
2: they're still in Italy playing in Volleyball Nations League. Week four this week.
0: It never two ends. Two more
1: weeks. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending.
0: You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's
1: Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event, college football playoff expansion from four teams to a proposed 12. It feels like it's imminent at this point and set to begin reportedly in the 2023 college football season. Jerem, We have learned that in this proposal that the six highest-ranked conference champions will receive an automatic berth along with six other at-large teams. Yes, You may have heard BYU is not in a conference, therefore can't be a high-ranked conference champion. And there's no distinction about those six champions being either from the Power Five or the Group of Five.
2: Mm-hmm. so That means at least one Group of Five every year gets yes. the champion.
1: Hypothetically speaking, the American and, let's say, the Mountain West, if they had teams highly ranked enough, could both make the college football playoff automatically and maybe push out a Power Five conference. So, with all of that said, Jerem, should BYU join a conference to try and make this proposed expanded playoff set to debut in 2023?
2: It all depends on what you want. BYU doesn't care about being in a league or the playoff as much as it cares about being on ESPN. Uh, That is the truth. Uh, BYU has chosen to be independent mainly because ESPN – Wanted to have a connection with BYU. If ESPN wasn't an option, I don't know that BYU would have even gone independent. So it depends what you want. If you love being in a conference and you want a conference championship and you want this as the end game, you know, uh, Doc Strange, now we're in the end game, like to the playoff. Like, like if that's what you want, yes, join a league. But I don't personally necessarily care because I don't actually believe that BYU as an independent. Would would be in this and it, and yes it'd be fun but I enjoy sort of everything about the BUA football experience um, and I don't just want that I'm not in it for that one year that one moment although that would be a uh, you know program defining uh, awesome experience but there's a lot more to BOA football than trying to make the playoff otherwise BU would have done this a long time ago because. BYU could have made a New Year's Six uh, before. What did 2020 teach us? It taught us that as an independent, BYU is not going to make a 12-team something.
1: Unless they go undefeated and end up beating Coastal Carolina. Which, of course, they didn't.
2: Yes. Um, Even when Okay, now was last year a schedule that will be replicated in the future for BYU? No. So it's not an indicator of uh, how it's actually going to be. Because I hear this argument a lot what if BYU only plays, like, four Power Fives and wins them all? I'm like, they won't win them all. They will lose one. That's how history shows us that BYU will lose the majority of them, 60%. So, yeah, if you want BYU to, uh, you know, be in the playoff, they've got to join a league and win the league and be ranked high enough. But I don't necessarily want that personally.
1: As an independent, BYU had their perfect schedule set up in the year 2014, BYU only played 3 Power 5 teams.
2: One was not named Utah. That's why BYU went 3-0 against them that year.
1: BYU <laughs> beat all of the Power 5 teams on their schedule. Texas was okay. Virginia was eh.
2: They were terrible. They were 2 and 10.
1: Weren't they 2 and 10 when BYU lost to them in 2013?
2: Oh, maybe they were Virginia five. was
1: better the year that BYU beat yeah. them in Pro Bowl in what 2014. Is better? 5 wins. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And BYU beat beat Cal, Cal, who was five and seven, who was battling for a bowl game. Jared Goff was the quarterback. They weren't very good. So BYU beats three middle of the packish Power Five teams. They had Taysom Hill lower end. Yeah. So that was the setup. That was the golden ticket for BYU to hey face three Power Five teams, beat them all, run the table, have a Heisman Trophy candidate, and then he breaks his leg against Utah State. So that is in my opinion, based on everything that you have said, the desired schedule, right? You have yes. some name-brand opponents. They might not be that great, but they're name-brand enough to put BYU on the map. If you run the table, then that's the formula that BYU as an independent could yeah. potentially make their way into the top 12.
2: Yes, if BYU only plays three and two of them suck. so <laughs> That's not happening, though, right?
1: Again, I point out. 2022 and 2023. We've gone through these schedules. 23 specifically, which is interestingly enough, the same year that this college football playoff is supposed to start. Four Power Fives, and BYU plays a bunch of other teams that on paper right now we think, oh, yeah, they should probably win those games. They, they should have a favorable record with a maybe senior quarterback favorable in Jacob, Jacob Conover.
2: Favorable won't do it. You have to do something that's only been done once here. Steve Young, Jim McMahon... John Beck, Max Hall, Go Mark Wilson—they've not been able to do it except for your boy Bob Bosco.
1: And maybe with four Power Fives, BYU has one loss, goes eleven and one. Then you're on the fringe. You're in the fringe conversation as an independent. But ultimately, we're asking: Does BYU need to join a conference to essentially better their chances of making this playoff?
2: Well, that's the yeah. That's the dumb question. Though. Yeah, n- like yes is the answer. But okay, so you, you feel like... To better their chances? Yes, because if BYU goes to the AAC, for example, that's a, a, Mountain West is not a realistic option. If BYU went to the AAC, because BYU cannot just join a Power 5 league, right? They would have done it. Then, now, guess what? Now is playing three non-conference games a year. Now it's not as crazy. It's possible that you could have a year where you run the table in the league, and hopefully in non-conference, you don't stumble. What BYU did 06-09 was incredible, 43 wins in four years. But BYU stumbled with two losses three times there. If BYU has one loss one of those years, perhaps BYU would have gone to a BCS game or a New Year's 6 game nowadays, right? So BYU was really close a, uh, a couple of times, but unfortunately never actually got over the hump. I think being in the AAC would be an easier route okay. because if you win the league and you have one or two losses, you don't have to go undefeated in this scenario. As an independent, undefeated is going to be hard to come by given how hard the schedules are. And if you have one loss, like that's an incredible year. I just The way BYU is scheduling, I don't see a zero or one loss or, frankly, even two-loss season at any point really in the future. It's just going to be
1: difficult. Okay, so you declared earlier that BYU I didn't had, say
2: it. I declared
1: it. I do declare <laughs> that BYU has made it clear they value their relationship with ESPN, independence, access, exposure more than anything else right now.
2: Yes, more than being in a league. And that is, that a, is obvious over the yes. past decade. Yes, it's, if BYU wanted that, they'd join the league. But
1: does this news, does this, if it becomes ratified and goes into effect of a 12-team playoff, does that... Change the priorities for BYU. Only I, Tom Homo I and company it. can answer that. Well we I don't know. I, I
2: really wish we had an opportunity to talk to Tom this week. <laughs> about this subject.
1: Oh yeah. I wish we day. had it
2: Thursday at eleven AM Eastern time here on BYU TV.
1: Oh yeah, there's that. Yeah. State of the program. Well it's all going to be on yep. topic. Dave McCann, I'm sure, might come firing out of the gates with that first question. Let's go right to the college football playoff. Welcome
2: to the show, playoff, Tom, the <laughs> conference. Yeah,
1: only he can answer that. Does does the stance and do the priorities for BYU athletics change with this news and this I don't, I don't think revelation so. of an expanded playoff? Can BYU still keep their access, exposure, ESPN benefits to a degree? No.
2: You're, you, you have to fit into that. Two BYU, roads
1: diverged in a wood. I've talked you know? about
2: this before. Our identity <laughs> is tied to church history. Move west. Settle. Doesn't work out. Settle, settle. You know what? We're just going west and living in Utah. We're going to do our own thing. That's what BYU football has done. No, no, no. We just want our own deal with ESPN, and we're good.
1: As irrational as it might sound, BYU, as an independent, could do it with maybe one loss. It just is very, very, very difficult BYU to pull to that, that off. A little easier. But that's what keeps BYU fans coming back. The hope that just maybe it could happen. Our question All of the you day. Need is
2: another pandemic.
1: Should BYU join a conference by 2023 to try and make the expanded playoff? Why or why not? Let's go to Voice of the Nation.
0: This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation.
1: Our first response in on this Monday from at Mr. Underscore Notham on Twitter. A Power Five conference? Yes. Of course. Anything else? No. It would be too much of a revenue decrease, and the competition would be less than ideal in terms of recruiting and national relevance. It depends on the Group of Five conference, though, right?
2: A- AAC is really like good.
1: Playing Memphis and Houston and UCF, would that diminish... Relevance? No, I don't think so. I
2: don't think so either. You can still play Utah in a big name in non-con if you want.
1: He continues. I would be sad if BYU joined a non-power five conference. Very sad.
2: I wouldn't be sad if BYU suddenly this week was like reverse flow. AAC hey, football only. Mike Aresco, what's up? We want to play in the AAC now. Be, starting in twenty three or whatever. We'll do a couple years of indie. I. Listen, it just depends what you want. I realize that the older I get, the more the more I realize that's what everyone wants out of their life, their sports, their religion, their politics. It just depends what you want. Right. And if you want to have ma- ESPN, do you want m- to maximize BoE TV? Do you want to have competitive schedules and freedom and financial liberty? Then independence is the route. If you want to try and make the playoff, it's probably join a. League.
1: Michael Voyles on Instagram responds differently. We absolutely need to join a conference. Aside from last year, Independence has relegated us to traveling sideshow status, <laughs> and joining a conference means BYU's serious about football and gunning for the playoffs.
2: I disagree with the traveling sideshow status.
1: Did BYU feel like a sideshow last year? No. no. Hashtag BYUSN if you'd like to join the conversation.
2: Coming up, who would be in your BYU fantasy 40-yard dash?
1: And friend of the program, national college football writer Stuart Mandel joins us to discuss BYU's position in this 12-team playoff proposal. This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go. The MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
2: BYU Football Media Day this Thursday. Just in time to ask Tom Homo, is Taki, and the gang about the college football playoff expansion. Starts at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. BYU versus Tennessee. Play by replay. State of the program. Live after that. Two hour BYU SN after that. BYU USC 2019, a lot of Zach Wilson coming up, plus a new documentary called A History, BYU Football, A History of Offensive Innovation, followed by the Boca Raton Bowl. Hang with us all day on BYU TV and the app.
1: Yes, all day football on Thursday. We are live in Studio B on a Monday with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Huge show. We're discussing expanded college football playoff scenarios, where BYU fits into all of it. Do the Cougars need to join a conference? Do they need to stay independent? And joining us now to discuss all of that is friend of the program and... A brilliant mind within collegiate football and uh, what goes into it. Stuart Mandel, editor-in-chief of the Athletic College Football and co-host of the Audible podcast, joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Stuart, great to have you back on the show.
3: Thanks for having me back on the show. Exciting times.
1: Holy cow. College football playoff potentially expanding from four teams to 12. Uh, Just because I have to ask this. Do you feel like this is already a done deal, that it's going to be ratified, and that it's just now all uh, a matter of signing the right documents?
3: I don't think that uh, people as prominent as Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, and Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, go on a call with the media um, on Thursday and espouse the merits of a 12-team playoff if they thought it might get shot down by by either their colleagues or by the the president. I, I think now it becomes... A formality that they're going to do this, that it's going to go to twelve teams. Now, some of the details that have people have had various reactions to about the bowls hosting the quarterfinals, or uh, maybe some of the selection criteria that that all could change. That's all to be hammered out, I think, over the summer. But I think we can say with ninety nine percent certainty that college football is going to have a twelve team playoff starting in either twenty twenty three or twenty twenty six.
2: Hopefully it's 23. I'm just getting anxious. This is exciting. Um, why, why now with the timing and, and why 12? Because I feel like sort of eight has been the number discussed. And then suddenly it was 12 and suddenly it's like, oh, it's happening. I was like, oh, even better.
3: Yeah, it, it caught us all off guard. I mean, years and years of talking about this. It was always eight. Eight teams with, with six automatic bids. And, but I do think that what we have failed to account for is um, eight teams was not going to do much for the SEC. Uh, obviously Greg Sankey is the most powerful commissioner now, certainly after uh, uh, both Jim Delaney and, and John Swafford retired. And the way they look at it is, you know, there are four at large spots right now. Any any of the four teams can get in there. The SEC had two in there one year. If you go to eight, but six of the berths are, are predetermined, um, that puts a cap on how many teams they or any league can put into it. I think we got to 12 as a compromise because the Pac-12 – the Big 12, certainly the group of five, their most important thing was having some sort of automatic entry. It's not quite automatic in this model, but it's pretty close, you know, if you're in the top six conference champions. And then for the SEC, if they want to put three teams, four teams, five teams, whatever it may be in the 12-team playoff, um, go for it.
1: Stuart Mandel, editor-in-chief of the Athletic College Football Content, with us on BYU Sports Nation. There's been mixed reaction to how a 12-team playoff may or may not significantly impact the importance of the regular season. Where do you stand as to how a 12-team playoff would lessen or maybe help the regular season?
3: I mean, I think it's, it's both. It helps the regular season in that way more games down the stretch have playoff implications. Basically, any team that's still in the mix for their conference championship, and that can be Uh, You know, there'll be teams that are pretty far down the rankings, but still have a shot to get in there and win their division. And if they win the conference, you know, have a shot at the playoffs. So many, many more games will be meaningful, but no one game will have nearly the stakes that we've seen basically throughout the history of college football. And to me, that's a shame. Um, Maybe it's unavoidable at this point, but I just think that In, in, when I think back on college football, some of the most memorable moments and take the kick six, the Alabama Auburn kick six, just a, you know, remarkable play, but made all the more meaningful by the fact that in that, with that one kick return, Alabama's national title hopes were done that year. They were 11 and 0, and with that one play, done. And in this model, you could lose not once, not twice. You could possibly lose three games if you're in the right conference and still make the playoffs. So, I think that will be something that's lost, but I think people will adjust to it because we're used to that in other sports where, you know, in the NFL, the most important games down the stretch aren't necessarily the ones involving the first place teams. It's the ones who are vying for a wild card spot. And there's going to be a little of that in this as well.
2: Yeah. The drama certainly shifts to later, right? Uh, With the college football playoff. And like you said, this is turning into NFL two uh, where, yep. It's uh, There are going to be a handful of teams that might play 17 games. Oh, by the way, that's the regular season number now for the NFL. And it does lessen the regular season. But the stakes uh, you know, just shift to who's going to be 9 through 12 as opposed to 1 through 4 or whatever, which is super interesting. Okay, with BYU and Group of Fives, BYU's not in that as an independent, but the non-Power 5 teams, this certainly opens it up a little bit. And that's been our question we've been discussing is, should BYU join a league to better its chance to get into the playoff? And and we were talking about, it all depends on what you want. It feels like BYU doesn't necessarily value that as the end game. There's more holistically to having the program. What what are your thoughts on BYU's place in this expanded playoff, potentially?
3: I mean, I think this was a, the best possible model for BYU. I've been saying for years I thought they needed to join a conference because they're they're in this, you know, you look back to last year, right? It was... New Year's Six, bowl or bust. And once they lost that one game, it's, you go from that to the Boca Raton Bowl. There's not much of a reward there. If it had gone to eight with six automatic berths for conferences, I would say they had to join a conference the next day um, because they'd have almost no shot. But now you're talking about 12 teams with, and most this is the most important part, six at-large berths. I mean, Notre Dame, for one, is a big winner in this, although they'll never get to host a first-round bye, and that's what people gravitated to first they'll have many, at least historically, they'd have many more seasons where they've made the playoff. And that could be the case for BYU. Now I just think that's so much more enticing. Uh, rather than feeling like, you know, they just had zero shot at the four team playoff. If if they had a dream season, their best case was they're going to go to the Fiesta Bowl and play somebody in a game that just wasn't as important as the playoff. Now if they can get that high, they can get one of those at large berths. I think that's a big win for them.
1: Stuart Mandel with us on BYU Sports Nation. Who is BYU's toughest opponent in the upcoming season? Because now we're pushing forward to, all right, college football playoffs. It's going to be a few years before BYU could get an at-large berth. But they still got a season to play. They're coming off one of their best seasons in program history in 2020 with Zach Wilson. So what's the biggest challenge for BYU that is in the future? Is it seven Power Fives overall? Or is there just a, a single opponent on the schedule? Do you say, that's the toughest?
3: You guys are on BYU focused shows, so you probably have BYU's schedule memorized. Can you give me a short list of the toughest teams they're playing this season?
1: Well, I I can tell you, I probably think it's USC, uh, Utah, and Arizona State. And Arizona State.
3: I think that, um, me personally, I mean, it could go either way between Utah and Arizona State. I think those are the two best teams in the South. and I don't have a really have a strong lean either way, but I would not be surprised if those two games end up being, if by the time you get to the end of the season, if those two end up with a better record than USC now playing at USC at the very end, like that, obviously that game could end up having big stakes for, for both teams, frankly. Um, but as I look at the PAC 12 South this coming season, I mean, Utah picking up Charlie Brewer, the transfer from Baylor uh, was a big deal. I mean, I, this, this unprecedented situation with the super seniors, nobody has ever picked up a four-year starter who's going to be possibly the fifth-year starter. So, mm. um, And obviously, Kyle Whittingham's got a good program there. So um, those two games back-to-back obviously really stand out to me.
2: Yeah, that's enough Utah talk. Let's uh, change the subject here, Stuart. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when you look at BYU and the future expanded playoff, to get in, you talked about, okay, you, you might have been able to lose three games. You're probably talking about SEC teams, right, um, at that point, or Big Ten.
3: And uh, State, Stan, a couple of years ago, would have gone in at nine and three. You know, there been a couple. Of the, there would have been a couple of those every year.
2: Yeah. So, in BYU's case, I'm not sure a two-loss BYU fits in, per se. Probably a zero or one-loss BYU. Um, but then I look at the way BYU's scheduling, and that's one thing I have an issue with BYU. Is like, what's the point of seven Power Fives this year? Like, People will respect a certain amount of power fives and quality teams and wins on that. Where's, but but the question that we have yet to really find, and I have an idea, but I want to know what you think, is where's the line perceptually for BYU of, oh, that was a tough schedule. They have one loss. Yes, they're in the 12.
3: I think it's going to depend on... The committee was, was devised to value strength of schedule. I would say seven years of this, we've seen selective application of that. Um, generally speaking, (laughs) at least in terms of the 14 playoff and, you know, at the top, it's basically still been zero losses is better than one. One loss is better than two. I don't, I don't think strength of schedule has played a huge part there. Now, as you go further down, it does seem to, they do seem to stick to that a little bit more, um, yeah, one of the as we've been looking back at past seasons and applying this model, uh 2018, Washington State had Gardner Minshew, they had a very good team. They finished ten and two. And I think I just mentioned it before, they would have been behind a nine and three Penn State team. Um that's a that's solely a schedule strength uh issue. So if BYU is gonna to continue to play schedules like that, obviously it depends in part on how those teams do, how those Pac 12 teams shake out, but no, I absolutely think the committee uh, would reward that, and and frankly, I think before they even go into this new playoff, they're going to have to spell out some new rules for the committee to make sure they, exp- you know, they they have to make sure that they reward strength of schedule. Otherwise, I would game the system mm. and just we just want to be one of the six highest ranked. So we want to have the best record possible. Who cares who we play? You want to avoid teams gaming the system like that. Um, that playing a schedule like the one that they're playing this season is obviously. Um, you know, almost impossible to navigate through with a record that would even get you high enough to get that New Year six at large spot. But I certainly could see it. You know, I could see a team that finishes with one loss against that schedule being considered a playoff team.
1: All right, Stuart, we'll finish with this. Are you of the opinion that the six at large bursts in this proposed model should be controlled by computer rankings or should it be the committee selecting those last six teams?
3: We tried computer rankings with the BCS and people hated it. Um, I think, you know, people have a short memory, but anytime the computers deviated from the polls, people just just hated it. Um, You know, I'm still a fan of the selection committee concept in general. I don't think this committee, uh, the football committee is as sound as the basketball committee, the basketball committee. And I frankly think they should adopt this every I know we're talking about 68 teams, but every year there's some bubble team that everybody thinks is going to get in that gets left out. Because they played the three number three hundred and twenty seven non conference <laughs> schedule, um, do that in football. Uh, flat out say, you know, if you don't play a strong non conference schedule, we're going to leave you out of this thing, and then we'll get the you know, and then we'll get great games. Uh, I think if you stick to the way they've been doing it and basically just say, well, you went undefeated, congrats. Um, you're going to see teams do the opposite. They're not incentivized to, to schedule tough.
1: Stuart, great stuff as always. we appreciate your time and a very very busy slate for you and speaking of uh, we invite all of our uh, viewers and listeners to check out the latest piece on the athletic from this morning if parody in college football is a good thing or not Stuart, how do they get that if, uh, if they want more?
3: Yeah, go to the athletic.com click on you can click on any article to subscribe uh, but you just mentioned that we're doing a whole series this week on the what we call parody panic everybody's panicked about it's the same teams over and over again so we're exploring that from a lot of different angles the data is pretty fascinating it it truly is as everybody suspects the most top heavy uh era in the history of college football so we're gonna tackle that from a lot of different ways can't wait to hear about
1: your adventures with utah and byu twitter the next time we talk to you Stuart. great Mm -hmm. stuff man thank you so much thank you Stuart Mandel on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
2: Great stuff. Always with Stuart Mandel. Fantastic. Coming up, Anna Camp Bennett, national champ in the 1500, joins the program. And
1: do off season workouts mean regular season success for one Zach Wilson? This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: <laughs> this portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Explore the most
2: compelling BYU sports stories through Deep Blue, as I talk with uh, coaches and athletes each week. Uriah Leatella from Compton overcoming a broken leg in fall camp of last year. Listen to the show podcast on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found.
1: He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whipper Ramp presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems.
2: According to NYJ Matt, he reports Zach Wilson threw for approximately these stats in OTAs 70% completion percentage, 17 touchdowns, two picks, 1,445 yards. How will this translate
1: to the regular season? <laughs> I have no idea. 61% completion percentage when you take in the factor of him facing number 1 defenses on all accounts. I don't know, Jerem.
2: Who's like, the who's the I don't know Scooby Doo super well. Who's the guy that Yeah, thinks, Shaggy. kind of sound, like, sound like you kind of sound like
1: Scoob. Scoob. Yeah. 61%. I, yeah. This, this is crazy. Yeah, We've gotten to this point, really, OTAs, like we're doing approximate stats. Like, I know Zach Wilson has looked really good. I just want to see him in a preseason game. Yeah. Just a preseason game against another team's defense. So,
2: someone asked us yesterday if we were going to a Jets preseason game. In against, Green Bay. In Green Bay. And we both were like, yeah, that'd be yes, cool. Yes, please. So, hey, hey Junior, uh, road trip? I don't know. I don't care. It, I don't care about camp stats. I don't.
1: If some offseason numbers terrible. are good, more are better, Jerem. Former BYU running back Jamal Willis posted a video of Dallin Holker doing some footwork drills this weekend. He had nice numbers as a freshman at BYU. How much will Holker and his quick feet be involved in the BYU offense this season?
2: Uh number one or two tight end. Yeah. He and Isaac Rex are going to form a fantastic young duo. Uh Holker is a sophomore. Rex is a sophomore. Three years of those fools together? Are you kidding me? Amazing. Okay, here's Look what out,
1: I Dennis. Here's what we know about Dallin Hulker right now. He's 6'5, he's 235 pounds, he looks lean, he looks fast from the video. He's been working with Jordan Pendleton, which is typically a really Getting good checked. thing. Yes. Well and he looks he looks to part. So I was excited to see this, but yeah, I didn't think that Dallin Holker wouldn't be at least the number two tight end coming off of his mission
2: um would we call it out if he didn't look the part would we say ah looks super fat well I don't think that he would post a video or (laughs) Jamal
1: Willis would post a video if things didn't look good I
2: want so bad to have that chance pre-fall camp or first days where I go hey you know who looks super out of shape this guy everyone's (laughs) always great it's not true did BYU women's cross country and track and field just have one of the greatest BYU seasons ever
1: yes the cross-country team literally was the best in all the them They won the I national heard championship. That's good. Anna Camp Bennett then becomes the individual national champ in the fifteen hundred meters, scoring huge points for her team. And the ladies finished top ten for the first time in a, I think, almost three decades. Incredible. So yeah, a national yeah. championship as a team, number ten overall finish in the outdoor season. This this is amazing. Like what what. Has BYU track and field done on the women's side that's a better overall season than that?
2: Are you not entertained? Now the men were fantastic as well. They did not quite reach what they wanted in cross country and men's outdoor, given the ranking and some of the hype. That's okay. Potter man's
1: was incredible. They had
2: a fantastic year. Yes. National champ uh,
1: individually in cross country second, and number two in the ten thousand. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. Oh, I'll take it. Yes. Yes. Those the dudes are good too. Uh, they certainly want a little more next year.
1: You know who was watching Anna Camp Bennett and the women finish top ten? Who? Tom Homo, the athletic director, hype man. Jeremy is as you watch this video. Is Tom Homo the best hype man disguised as an athletic director out there in the country?
2: Absolutely, yes. Tom is elite that way.
1: There's Liz Darger there in the background? Yeah! Thumbs yeah! up, Anna Camp Bennett.
2: Yeah. I found a video over the weekend that featured a 40-yard dash with Wayne Gretzky, Bjorn Borg, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Pelé. Okay. It got me thinking, what would be the BYU equivalent of this? And by the way, Wayne Gretzky blew out those other
1: friends. I'm glad you said it the right way. Pelé.
2: There's an accent mark in the end. Yes. He's Brazilian. I lived there. It's not
1: Pelé. It's Pelé. 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 I love it. Uh, I'm going to go with the 1982 version Mm. (laughs) because it happened in 1982, this actual race. So Steve Young... Wally Joyner, Danny Ainge, and Ed Stone. Line it now, up and run.
2: Now, if it's a 4,000-yard <laughs> dash, A 40-yard dash. If it's 40, I'm taking Steve there. Danny was, right. Danny, was, Danny was a great athlete. Danny was a high school All-American in basketball, baseball, and football.
1: But didn't you see how fast Danny was on the coast-to-coast play against Notre Dame? Like Maybe he has a quicker 40 than Steve. I don't probably not.
2: Yeah, no. Probably not. Coming up, today's Rise and Show.
1: No, no love for Wally Joyner either?
2: <laughs> Wally, no. No, I'm sorry. I love Wally, but no.
1: She's a national champion in the 1,500 meters, fastest in all the land. Anna Camp Bennett will join us to recap her record-setting performance. This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation has its own
2: YouTube channel. Subscribe today to get all the interviews from the show as well as episodes of BYU Sports Nation right now.
1: Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live on a Monday from Studio B alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. It is our absolute pleasure to welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline a national champion. Times two, Anna Camp Bennett, this time the 1500 meter national champion. Anna, it's great to have you on the show.
4: It's good to be here.
1: What? does a champion uh, think about the moment she crosses the finish line as the fastest in the entire country? What was going through your mind when you finished that 1,500 in first?
4: Oh, that's that's a really good question. Um, honestly, I think I was just super, like obviously just super happy, but also overwhelmed with a lot of gratitude just because we actually got to be there and competing, and it's been – so long since there'd been a track outdoor championship. And so overwhelmed with gratitude, a little bit of uh, a little bit of shock, just excitement, um, looking for coach Taylor, like, Oh, we did it. <laughs>
2: yeah. When's the parade in Fillmore?
4: <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to, i have to check with my Fillmore people.
2: Okay. <laughs> now, now listen, Millard high school has some BYU history. Can you name the BYU basketball coach who coached at Millard?
4: Oh my goodness. I do know exactly who you're talking about, but his name's escaping me right Dave now.
2: Dave Rose, right? You know. Yes. Dave, Dave Rose. Rose. I'm
4: like, I do know. I just forgot for a second.
2: <laughs> his first gig was at Millard, so he now slides down to second in the most notable <laughs> alumni that went to Millard after the... Oh no, no what, what an accomplishment. And we've talked to you uh, on the show before and the amazing national championship in cross country, and your career has been amazing. And the uh, world record of the mile dribbling a basketball and now you add a national championship. Where where does this rank in, in your life? I mean this is a big deal.
4: <laughs> I mean, I think it was just the perfect way to um to kind of top off my my college track career. I you can't ask for too much better than that. So it ranks pretty high.
1: <laughs> you broke the school record two times in a row running your personal best in your qualifier and in the national championship race. What was your mindset going into the week in Eugene?
4: Um, Mindset-wise, I knew, like, I knew because Coach Taylor had told me and because I've seen workouts and stuff, like, I knew that I had a chance to do something great, but um, so really it was just – it was just staying really present in the moment, um, staying present for each race, making sure to – those rounds are really tough, so making sure to get through each round. Um, and then just really, really just attaching into the races, doing my race, executing my race plan. So, yeah. I
2: don't know if that makes
1: sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine by us. Listen. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Epidify, uh, you know, epitomize what you did in the final so walk us through your race plan for that because you kind of waited until the end to make your move.
4: Yeah, so in general, I like, um, I like more of a sit-and-kick race. I just have always been that way since high school. I, they just seem to fare better for me. And so I knew that there was a lot of really, really talented women in that field and that it would take a really uh, good and smart race along with the fitness that I have to be able to do something great. And so, um, yeah, as the race started... I just tried to tuck into, to to top two or three. And I did, I think I ended up in like fifth for a little bit, but yeah. So just trying to tuck in there and sticking in it the last lap as people started to, to make their moves and go. And then I wanted to be the last one to make a move on that last hundred stretch. So it, it worked out well with, uh, how people race and being able to be in the right position and um, being able to be the last one to make a move, so I was happy about that.
2: So once you make your move and you're in front, and you realize that, oh, you know, I I'm, I'm gonna win. Uh, what's that moment like? And and when did you realize, oh, I'm going to win? So
4: about a hundred to go, probably about uh, actually two fifty to go. I was like, oh, like I I li- I actually have a chance. Like this is real. This is happening. And then with the last 100 meters to go, I'm like, "Oh, my legs feel good. Like this is actually happening." But then I had in the back of my mind, I'm like, "Some of these girls have really good kicks. I've seen them before, and I'm like waiting for someone to come and make a like to make a move after my move." And just nobody nobody did, and I just kept going and was like, "This is actually real. This is crazy. I can't believe it."
2: <laughs> so. Did a, a fist pump or two, right? That was kind of the celebration <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That's about all you can muster up at the sheer point of exhaustion. Anna Camp Bennett with us on BYU Sports Nation. She is the national champion in the 1,500 meters, fastest in all the land. I'm sure that sounds amazing. Okay, I know we've talked about some similar things during previous conversations, but take me to the actual race and who or what you are hearing, if anything at all, during your national championship run.
4: So definitely there at Hayward Field, it's really, even with like the limited people there, it's really loud. It's a really, really fun atmosphere. But I mean, I think you know where I'm going with this. You can always hear Coach Taylor. She's got this voice that will hear And she will make sure to be there to hear, like she will make sure. And she's usually, yeah, so she she was there with 100 to go. And I definitely could hear, I don't, honestly, I don't remember exactly what she was saying, but I could definitely hear her yelling and was like, I, I don't know. It was just cool because I. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I can hear Coach Taylor always. <laughs> oh, it sounded yes. something like this.
0: Hal-h-h-h-h-h-h-h.
2: Right? It's Like, yeah, that. I'm going to do that. Okay. It's it's Hayward Field. It's you still have the cross country season, um, but this is your final. You know, race in track. A lot is built up to this moment for you, right? You know, you got a mm-hmm. chance. You even have teammates in the race that are really, really good. You've already broken the school record. You know, the race before. Did you feel like, hey, I can win the national championship right here? Or is it like, hey, let's just kind of see how the race plays out?
4: So early early into the season, um, Coach Taylor actually called me and she said, Anna, do you want do you want me to coach you to win a national championship in the 1500? Because I think that you can. But like I need to know if that's what you want. And I'm like, uh yeah, if you think I can, I think I can for sure. So um so I was so I knew, and all season, we had, we had talked about it. And there were there were other girls on the team, too, that I know. Because the thing is, it's just having the right race on the right day, right? So there's lots of people there that definitely have the capabilities to do that. But, um, but yeah, going into the race, I, I knew it was a chance. And I was trying to convince myself that I could still be happy if I didn't win. And so that was kind of, I was almost trying to hold myself back from being too excited. Like, I have a chance, I have a chance. And be like, wait, no, it's still good if you get, like in the top five or something like that. But, but I think when I, when I was walking out, I was like, okay, this is, there really is a shot here. So I don't know if
2: that answers the question, sure, but yes. yes. Sure.
1: yes. That's an incredibly specific vote of confidence from Diljeet Taylor to say, I think you can win a national championship in the 1500 mm-hmm. if you'll let me coach you to do so. How would you explain coach Taylor to somebody that's never met her that may, might be thinking about running track and field at BYU.
4: Oh man, do we have an hour? Because I could I could talk about how much. <laughs> Technically, refer, like,
1: we hour. have you know ten or fifteen.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Coach Taylor is. Um, she's unlike any. I I personally think she's unlike any coach in the NCAA. When when you step on the line, she know, you know that she's done just as much work, if not more, worried just as much, if not more, for your race as you have, which is, which is incredible. And, um, she does, she does do all these extra little things to, to just really show that like she believes in you, but just the belief that she does have in you, it just, it kind of changes everything. Cause she also never, she'll never tell you you can do something that you can't like. I've, I've been in that situation too. And she's very, very honest. And I really appreciate that about her, but yeah. I could just go on forever. She's she's amazing. She Listen, really is, and she expects she does expect the best out of you. And so, yeah, I love I love that about her. She's not she's not going to take it easy on you ever. She's she's if you want a goal, she will push you to the max to get it. I love that.
2: Listen, she brings us food, so we like her even more than <laughs> you know a lot of the other Present, coaches who food, don't get you know. us food. No, uh, she's great. Okay, let's finish with this Olympic trials now. Okay. And luckily, you have a ton of time to get ready for it. Just kidding; it's this week. Um, I assume that's in the fifteen hundred. And what's that going to be like to go back to the same place where you just won the Natty?
4: It's it's going to be super cool. I feel I definitely feel really happy with the season, and so anything from here on is just extra and experience for maybe you know years in the future. I I don't know. So I think I'm really excited just to go and just gain more experience. I feel. I'm excited.
1: She is the pride of the Millard Eagles. And now that I think about it, it's approximately 100 miles south of Provo. I'm pretty sure you could probably run there, right? Well,
4: you might have to talk to the men's team for
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) Too far. Congratulations again. (laughs) Oh, What an amazing weekend for you. Uh, We're thrilled for you. Can't wait to see the hardware. In fact, bring it by the studio anytime. We'll happily display it for you. We might even steal it. But, uh, okay, we won't do that. Anna, congratulations <laughs> again in all seriousness. Amazing stuff.
4: Thank you. Thank you very much. You guys are great.
1: Anna Camp Bennett on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. If
2: we're great. What is she?
1: Exceptional. <laughs> like, like,
2: we're not great. We're, we're Elite. Good. Whatever. Yeah, that was an elite performance. Congratulations to Anna Camp Bennett and the track and field, both teams, for tremendous performances. Okay, coming up, do you think BYU should join a conference to get into the college football playoff?
1: And we've got some BYU Sports Nation TMZ baby news on a couple of fronts. Don't go anywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: This, why this, show is- this portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you
1: forward. Our question of the day should be why you join a conference to try and make the expanded playoff. Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, Uluilapuahu on Instagram, says, Whatever Tom Hobo wants to do is what I want to do. Today's Rise and Shoutouts, presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward to the Collins and the Childs for their baby news. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Ed Keel, Goku.